No so, question about it. So there's a it. lot of major things we've done. But what we haven't done is we haven't been able to communicate it in a way that is, uh, um, let me say it another way. Well, see, that's kind of perfect. Yeah, well, we haven't been able to communicate but it. But look how the... Hello, and welcome to another episode of Storytime with David. I am your host, Dave. Thanks for joining me today. Listen, here's what we're going to do. Listen, it's not a joke. And I'm being sincere about this. It's not, I'm not being facetious. It's not a joke. We're going to talk about this. And look, it's not a joke. We're going to talk about this. Not being facetious. Being very sincere about this. It's not a joke. Joe Biden was on Jimmy Kimmel, and I expected that it would be a mix of Joe Biden stammering, failing to put together coherent thoughts, and I also figured Jimmy would cry at some point. And I was only 50% correct in my prediction. Jimmy amazingly keeps his wits about him and doesn't cry. Besides that, complete disaster as expected, but very entertaining. So all I want to do with this episode, it's a look, it's a 23 minute interview and I kind of want to go through the whole thing and we'll, we'll pause at times and try to decipher what's going on in the president's head. And by that, I mean, Barack Obama. I just wish People talk about there's conspiracy theories about them killing off Joe Biden and somehow getting rid of Kamala and then making Hillary Clinton president. Why does it have to be Hillary? Can't we just figure out a way to finagle Barack back in there? At least the guy, I, I want to start by saying this before we get into this interview. This is kind of a change in thought that I've been having, or not really a change, but also a a. You can, you can have different, um, what would be the way to, to phrase this correctly? I could say, okay, I want to have an anarchist society on the one hand, or I want to have a more libertarian society, or I want to have a ruling elite. And these don't have to be, you can, you can hold these views together. And just say, well, if we have to have this, then I'd prefer this. So I say, if we have to have this strong central government that is controlled by the ruling elites, I say, fine, if we must, but can they be competent? That is my question. I don't think we've ever had a less competent administration in our lifetimes, even when you talk about and look, you know, from a conspiracy perspective, you talk about the, the Bush administration and you say, well, Dave, no, the Bush administration was incompetent. George Bush was incompetent. Okay, they pulled off the greatest act of domestic terrorism and they got away with it. Is that incompetence to you? I don't know. But they crashed the economy. So that was incompetent. So they were a mixed bag, 
but at least there were people, because say what you will about Dick Cheney, and maybe he was an evil, I don't think there's much debate there. He was a terrible person, but the guy was smart and he knew what he was doing. And we don't, now we have an Anthony Blinken. Who is in this administration who's really, I don't even care if they're evil, at least be an evil genius, don't be an evil idiot. It seems that we only have Anthony Fauci's that this entire administration is made up of Anthony Fauci's people who are terrible and people who have no moral compass, which is not something you should ever expect from a bureaucrat or a politician, but they're not geniuses. I'd rather them be evil geniuses. Can we please go back to the Barack Obamas, the people who are terrible, but they're, they're smart. And they know how to operate in that world, in that political world. They're good at it. What we have right now is the worst of both worlds, where yes, they're terrible. And a lot of them are, want bad things for the country and for the people. But they're not even smart. I, I want basically... Let's stop with the conspiracies and predictive programming about orchestrating some kind of internal coup within the Democratic Party, which would install Hillary Clinton as leader. Let's not do that because Hillary is as incompetent as Joe, maybe less because she's not completely in brain melt mode as Joe is. But can we just get Barack back in? Can we everyone? No one would care if there was a coup tomorrow, a real coup. And the military came in and said, this man is no longer mentally fit to lead this country. And we don't want to have the disaster that would be Kamala Harris or Nancy Pelosi for that matter. So we're just going to put Barack in charge. No one would care. The Democrats wouldn't care. And that's all you got to worry about. The Republicans would probably be pretty upset about it, but it's like, look, you'd have a Democrat one way or the other. And I think... Even, even Republicans would say, fine, I'd rather Barack than Kamala or Pelosi. I think people would be fine with it, honestly. So let's, I don't know what strings you have to pull, Deep State, FBI, if you're listening to this, you know it's a good idea. You like it too. Okay, we're all on the same page. This isn't domestic terrorism. We are all on the same page here. Let's just get Barack back in. So he doesn't have to try to pull the strings from behind the scenes. Can we just cut out the middleman here? Joe is a bad middleman. He's just not, it's just not working. Kamala might be worse. So can we just stop playing games? Can we just let Barack be president again? Holy cow. I never thought I'd see the day. Well, you know, things change. There was a time where I thought Barack Obama was the best president ever. That was in my younger years when I was silly and foolish. And then there was a period of time where I thought Barack was one of the most evil people and that he should pay for his war crimes and such. And now I've come full full circle where I say, that's the right man for the job. Let's get him back in the White House for crying out loud. And Barack, if you're listening to this, 
you're not going to have a better endorsement than that. I just made everyone happy and you can take the lead again. And maybe just stay. Maybe just stay. Maybe we just, oh, I don't like that sound. Maybe just stay. Maybe this could be, maybe he could be the monarch. We've been talking about kings, having a king. Maybe Barack, maybe we just say, Barack, you know what? Just take over and we're going to stop elections for 20 years and see what you can do. On second thought, I think that would be bad because he is still of the new world order, world economic forum milieu. But let him finish Joe's term at least. We can still have elections, but can we just come on? Come on. Now let's get into this Jimmy Kimmel interview and let the cringe commence. And we might just have to call this episode cringe because it's just full of it. And it's going to be hard. Took a sip of water. It's going to be hard to get through. I'm not going to lie to you. But I am going to try to pause as much as possible and um, ridicule them as much as possible. Because amazingly, and I think this is what it took, in order to make Joe Biden seem even slightly likable, they had to put him across from someone like Jimmy Kimmel. Because you ask yourself, they won't even let this guy do press briefings because he's too much of a liability. Why would you put him on TV for a 23-minute interview? Well, I think the pick of Jimmy Kimmel was deliberate. He's really unlikable, unless you're a shitlib. And even then, I'm sure that not all the shitlibs even like him. And that's a, that's a small group. And I, I'm, I'm, I'd be curious what his um, ratings are. Now, I'm looking at the video right now. This was posted on June 8th, three days ago. It's got 2.4 million views. So that, that doesn't, uh, that's, not, that's not great. You know, you're talking about Joe Biden on a late night talk show giving his longest interview in a long time. It's got 2.4 million views. So that's not good. This is the official uh, Jimmy Kimmel Live channel. So that's not a good look. I can only imagine the live views were less given that this has been up for three days and people have had more time to see it. So I'd be curious what the actual ratings were when they aired this. <clears throat> anyway, let's get into it. Our very special guest tonight is to aviator sunglasses what Tom Cruise is to aviator sunglasses. I'm <laughs> proud to say it. Great opening joke, Jimmy. They both, this guy wears aviator sunglasses Tom Cruise wears aviator sunglasses. Ha 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 I voted for him dozens of times. He is the reason we all got a cavity search. That's like, let's just lean into it. Wow, we're already, I, can't, I gotta let them speak more than five seconds, but <laughs> let's just make a joke out of it. The whole um, rigged election thing. Now that was savvy. I'm gonna give Jimmy, I'm gonna give Jimmy's writing staff credit for that. That was politically savvy to do. What do you do? What's, what's one of the most effective tools in combating your political enemies? It's ridicule. It's making a joke out of them. And so that, I got to give credit. That was good writing. That's a good, that's, that's politically savvy what he just did. Because Jimmy is a political operative. If you watch this, if you want to see the video, you'll notice he's wearing an American flag pin, much like a congressman or president for that matter. He is neither 
but he is certainly a political operative, so it is appropriate. Let's continue. All right, please welcome the 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden. I'm turning it down. The, the, just listen to the, how much they clap and how cringe. Listen to those bots. Good to be here, man. Got my wife coming You're wonderful. The wonderful first lady is here tonight. Oh my God, Doctor Doctor Jill. Sound nice that the first lady came along. Yes, she did. She just made the commencement speech at Los Angeles Community College. You know what's so funny? I got to point this out. I'll play it again. When Jimmy says, oh, your wife made it here. And he goes, she did. And he kind of pauses. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can only imagine what it's like being on Joe's team, you know, especially like the PR team or being on Jimmy's team and just being like on the edge of your seat during that pause, which it's a quick pause, but you're like, what is he gonna say? It's, it's gotta be constant terror. Working for this administration, especially in the marketing department or whatever they call it, the communications department has gotta be the most terrifying job. That is like, that's like special ops in the military level terrifying like what is he gonna say that pause was probably an eternity for them because me watching just as like an embarrassed american who has nothing to do with the political world i'm i'm having that feeling very slightly i'm like i'm more excited i'm like oh what's this idiot gonna say they're probably terrified listen to it sound nice sound nice that the first lady came along yes, she did he just made the commencement speech at Los Angeles Community College. Is that nice Joe Biden's husband? She's right there. <laughs> Here's the other thing. When I first heard that, I thought he said, I'm Joe Biden's husband. I think he says Joe Biden's, but he's not good at enunciating things. He's really bad at enunciating things. Listen. Just made the commencement speech at Los Angeles Community College. Yes. Oh, By the way, I'm right. Joe Biden's husband. She's right there. <laughs> I'll give him a pass on that. I think he actually did say Jill, but it's just hard to tell. Like, it did sound like I'm Joe Biden's husband. But Joe and Jill, when, you're, when your brain is melting and you're 80 years old, that does sound the same. So I'm going to give him a pass on that. I'm not going to shit on him for that. It's wonderful to have you here. Good to be back. I mean, it's I thought good maybe you wanted me to just stay on Fox all the time. <laughs> you know, they're very concerned that I might not ask you serious questions, so I don't want oh, you to... Oh, they really ask serious questions. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't want to upset them at all. Do you mind if I ask you some serious questions? Because this is, not um, unfortunately... Not at all. I never mind having a conversation with someone really smart. Well, uh, Guillermo, maybe you need to take over. <laughs> okay, self-deprecating. That was actually good. I'm, that was actually, um, we can be honest. We don't have to exclusively shit on them. 
that was good that Jimmy did that. Jimmy, you know how much it pains me to give Jimmy Kimmel credit for something? That was actually good comedy right there. It was a nice little self-deprecating, loosens the mood, lightens the mood. It was it was good. It was good. I'm going to give that to him. Let's see what else Joe has to say here. We, uh, we were here in September of 2019, and one of the things we talked about at length was gun violence. And you said that we need to do something about this gun violence. Okay, now I want to point out that this is a late night talk show. I guess it, you know, I don't, this is what it's become, unfortunately. I think there was a time where maybe if things weren't so bad, you could have the president on your late night talk show and just goof around and have fun with the president and make the president more personable. I think that's usually, that's usually the goal of something like this, to put the president on TV with the comedian on a talk show crack some jokes, tell some fun stories, make them more personable. You remember when like Bill Clinton, I think it was the Arsenio Hall show. He went on the Arsenio Hall show, pretty sure. And he played saxophone with the sunglasses on. You're like, okay, what is that? Well, it's just to make the president seem more relatable and more human and make people like him more and be like, oh, he's a cool guy. See, he's not just some politician he's like us he's a cool guy he plays the saxophone it's really cool and funny he wears sunglasses playing the saxophone this might be a reflection of two things one is just the different world that we're in in terms of like political talk show like okay yeah that's why i just said it comedy late night comedy talk shows outside of you know well conan's not even on anymore so conan was the one holdout but they are all political talk shows. I mean, look at Stephen Colbert. It's politics and crying. So Stephen cries and talks politics and Jimmy cries and talks politics. That's what it's become. So yes, even when the, you know, even when the president comes on, you're expecting, okay, like it'll be like a fluff interview. Like it'll just be kind of to make him seem fun and cool. Well, I don't know if it's, a reflection of how bad things are or a reflection of the way that late night talk shows are now or both that we're two minutes in here and let's talk about gun violence. This is a late night comedic talk show. We're two minutes in. Let's talk about gun violence. Truly, when it comes to our schools and here we are a couple years later, we're halfway through this year already. There have been what, 27 shootings at schools? I guess, I mean, just to get into it, why haven't we done anything about this? Well, I think uh, a lot of it's intimidation uh, by the NRA. And uh, look, this is not your father's Republican Party. This is a, a MAGA party. It's a very different. This is not your father's Republican Party. <clears throat> I, I, I don't. He, first of all, he cuts off the thought right there. He goes, a lot of pressure from the NRA. Look. It's like, is that the only pressure is coming from the NRA? And is that why, I think Jimmy's actually going to ask him about this. Like, are you feeling pressure? I mean, aren't, you can pass executive orders. Not that I'm endorsing that, but he can do it. And are you, so are you feeling pressured by the NRA? And the other thing is, the Congress is, is a majority Democrat and the Senate is 50-50, but 
you're not even like they haven't even really made an attempt. I mean, I'm sure there's some bills that are floating around, but are the Democrats feeling pressure from the NRA? Is this and why didn't he finish the thought there? Surely there are other factors present, such as like maybe public sentiment. Maybe it would be unpopular. Like, do you think Joe Manchin, even though he's a Democrat, is going to vote for gun reform being from West Virginia? And then why wouldn't he? Is it because he gets money from the NRI, which I'm not sure if he does, or is it because his voters wouldn't like that? So he makes it seem like the pressure is only coming from this. I don't even know what you call the NRA. Like an activist group. They're like a gun activist group. I don't even know you call them, but you'd only be able to use that argument for certain people who are getting money from the NRA. (laughs) <laughs> and what's the NRA stance on what should be done about gun violence in schools? Because I imagine they're also against it. I think that's pretty bipartisan that people don't like kids getting shot in schools. I don't think that's a, like a fringe opinion. I don't think that's an exclusively Democratic opinion or Democrat opinion. Let's see. A, a very different Republican Party. And, uh, and so you find people who uh, are worried, I believe, that if they vote for rational gun policy, they're going to be primaried and they're going to they're going to lose in a hard right Republican primary. Is that your take when you speak to these guys mm. and women behind the scenes that they are? Is there any honesty? Do they acknowledge that they would like to do something? Well, I think many of them do. Uh, you know, I get in trouble for saying this, but uh, I get on. Uh, we have very different views on a lot of things, but I. Uh, Here's another one. Absolutely terrified. If I'm Joe Biden's PR staff and he just said, I get in trouble for saying this. And then he's like, I, uh, I just, uh, well, it's, it's, I get in trouble for saying this. Uh, absolutely horrified right now. What is this man about to say? Please, Joe, get control over your mind, even just for a moment. They are horrified right now. And the other thing is, The Republican Party isn't the MAGA party. That is a, um, that's a chunk of it. And it's more in the voting base than in the um, representatives in Congress. Where like, you know, you got Marjorie Taylor Greene. You had Madison Cawthorn. He got primaried. He's a MAGA guy. He's dark MAGA. I'm not even sure what that means yet. I want to find out more. But Madison's dark MAGA, and he got primaried. So he's out as congressman. He's no longer a congressman. That's a MAGA guy. Who are the most influential Republicans in the party? None of them are MAGA. They are all establishment Republican. Your father's Republican Party. Yes, Joe, that Republican Party. So I don't know... It's a talking point. It's just not true. How many MAGA Republicans are there? And they would classify certain people as MAGA Republicans just because they're not establishment Republicans. Thomas Massey is a good example of that. Thomas Massey is more of a libertarian. He's not MAGA. I mean, he liked certain Trump things, but you couldn't call the guy MAGA. You just look at what he says and look at the types of bills that he proposes and what he supports. He's not MAGA. He's more libertarian than anything. Or like Roy, what's his name? Uh, Chip Roy or something? Uh, 
I forget his name. There's a different guy. He's bald and he's got like a gray goatee. And he's kind of based too. But again, I would classify him as a libertarian Republican, not a MAGA Republican. But I don't think they make much distinction when they're looking at, to them, Liz Cheney is a Republican, even though Liz Cheney's just a Democrat with an R next to her name. But to them, that's a Republican. Uh, like a Dick Cheney Republican, a Liz Cheney Republican. That is who Republicans should be to them. Even like a Lindsey Graham or a Ted Cruz. They prefer these people over someone who is um, just outside of the scope of their uh, Overton window of the types of things that they talk about. If someone comes from outside, their MAGA, it doesn't matter whether they're based more in like libertarian, Mises caucus kind of ideology. They don't care. That's just MAGA. Everything's MAGA. If it's not Liz Cheney, it's MAGA. Let's see what Joe gets, might get in trouble for saying. Let's see what he says. I've always had a straight relationship with, uh, with the majority, with the Republican leader, Mitch McConnell. You know, he's a guy that when he says something, he means it. I disagree with a lot of what he says, but he means it. There are a number of... Like when he said, we can't confirm a Supreme Court justice with a year left. That's right. And then said well, the opposite. Well, <laughs> well, no, what he did, I mean, look, he's a... Wow. Jimmy giving pushback. That is remarkable. And it's true. And I don't know why Joe could have invoked any name from the Republicans and say, well, he could have said Liz Cheney who's like the leader of the January 6th show trial. He could have said that. And then, and then people wouldn't be, cause no one likes Mitch McConnell. So I don't know if like, this was very politically unsavvy of Joe to invoke Mitch McConnell's name, who is loathed not only by all Democrats and all leftists, but MAGA people hate him too. He's very unpopular. <laughs> perhaps in his state, he's popular enough to keep winning elections or smart enough to rig them. But that's just why, why invoke McConnell's name and say he's, he means what he says. Like I could mean what I say and it's completely retarded. I could really mean it. I could mean, I could, I could be a good liar and make it seem like I mean what I say when I'm lying which is what Jimmy's bringing up here. So yeah, maybe he, maybe he even meant it. Maybe he's able to block out the fact that he's lying or being a hypocrite. Maybe he's able to block that out and mean what he says in the moment because that's what politicians need to do. It's an important skill set. They need to be good actors. So I'm, I'm, uh, maybe Jimmy felt pressure to actually try to give pushback where he could to kind of give himself a little more credibility because maybe he doesn't want to just be known as the guy who cries on TV. Let's see more. He's a leader of, of a party that's moved very hard right. And so in order to get anything done, he, uh, he has a different problem than he did early on before Trump became president. It seems like maybe the party has moved hard right but I don't know that the people have moved they hard have. right. They because have. people overwhelmingly believe we should have serious background checks. The they overwhelmingly believe that. 
you know, I just don't, I, 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 I don't know if that's true. Maybe it is true. I don't think you'd get a lot of pushback even from like, th- these are questions that I have that I don't know. I'd be curious, like, is the NRA in favor of more thorough background checks? And what is the Republican stance on that? And then if, if it's an overwhelming, uh, if it's an overwhelming point of agreement in the country, then why would they not have already put forward legislation? Like, why couldn't Jimmy invoke a bill that's being put on the floor that would be more uh, that would that would make it so there's more thorough background checks. Like why why couldn't they have set this up again? That would be competence. Let's time this out so when Joe has his late night appearance, we can invoke this bill that's just been put on the floor. Or like yeah, of course there is big big. So the Republicans better pass it because if they don't, they're going against the wishes of the American people. But the other question would be, why don't they do that? Why don't the Democrats do that, especially being in the power position for just a few more months before whatever happens in November happens? And my assumption is that they're going to lose their majority. They're going to lose their majority in the House, and then they maybe will lose a couple seats in the Senate. So why not do it now when you're in a position where you're able to do it? Is it because the Democrats are as against, the Democratic politicians are as against gun reform as the Republicans are because they need to use it as a wedge issue to get their voters to vote. Is that a possibility? And that would be the political analysis of it. Do Democrats actually want gun reform? And this goes back to the whole conundrum of activism where you go, well, if you're a grifter and you're an activist, If you're Patrice Cullors and you're the head of BLM and you're making millions of dollars and buying ill homes, do you want racism to be solved? Do you want systemic racism to be solved when it has provided you with everything? The fact that it exists has provided you with these fancy mansions. Do you want that problem solved? Because what would that mean for your mansions? What if you had to sell them? Because the problem was solved and you've done your job. And you just kind of fade into the background. Well, Patrice did her job and now she can leave because it's fixed. Thank you. And what would the Democrats, how would the Democrats get their voters angry enough to go to the polls if there actually was gun reform? And what would happen if they passed gun reform laws and they didn't work? What would happen then? You'd have to reckon with the fact that maybe the guns aren't the problem, and that would be a disaster for them. So these are all things worth thinking about. You may remember, the last time we did something serious about guns was when I passed the assault weapons ban. I was the guy that sponsored that, got it passed, limiting the number of bullets that could be in a magazine, whole background checks, a whole range of things. And we passed, and violent crime and gun crime dropped off. But it, I can only get it passed for 10 years. It had to be reauthorized. And when the first Bush administration came along, they didn't reauthorize it. We didn't have the votes. And so what happened was, all of a sudden, it came back. You could own assault weapons again. And get- See, that wasn't the first Bush administration. I'm not even saying he's making a bad point here. This is actually the best point he's made so far. This is a good point. Um, 
And he did, he was involved in that. He was very involved in that. And he did actually pull that off. But then he can't even, even when he's like in a, in a powerful position rhetorically in this conversation, he still flubs because it wasn't the first Bush administration. He wrote that bill. Well, let me see. Hold on. Assault weapons ban. I think it was 1994 to 2004. Weapons ban USA. Let's see. It was um, during his prime time. Um, it was passed in 1994, okay? And it was 10 years. The original author was Diane Feinstein, interestingly, which I think she's been in elected office for like 50 years now. It's insane. So it was a 10-year sunset provision meaning it would automatically expire in 2004. So he can't even get that right. It wasn't the first Bush administration. It was the second Bush administration. Now it's a minor flub, but a flub nonetheless. The guy can't get through one point without screwing something up. This should be deeply concerning to people. <laughs> like, or deeply funny, I guess. This should either be deeply concerning or deeply funny or deeply both. Guess what? Crime went up significantly, three times. I mean, so there is a direct correlation. So that's, this is another thing he does. He goes, crime went up significantly, three times. So it's like, are you saying it went up three times? Did it go up threefold? We'd have to fact check him on this. Where's the fact checkers at? Did it go up three times? Did crime get three times worse after the assault weapons ban was passed? And then does that coincide with... It, what, was that related to the the drop-off in crime in New York City, for example, and, and R Rudy Giuliani's um, mayorship there, where he reduced dramatically the amount of gun violence that was happening in that city? And was that, which which is the correlative factor? Which is like the more causal of the correlative factors? Is it that Rudy Giuliani kind of set this tone and then other mayors followed suit, and then you had less gun violence in cities, which is where most gun violence happens, was it, is, is the assault weapons ban going to take credit for those mayoral decisions to curb gun violence in cities? Now, it might have been that the assault weapons ban was more responsible for it. I'd be open to that as a possibility, certainly. But here he says he's like three times. It's like, is he, did he make it up? Is that like a tell for when he's like just making something up or saying something he thinks but doesn't really remember? It's not said in like an authoritative way. I'd like him to be a better liar for one thing. I would like Joe to be a better liar. Barack's a better liar than Joe. Far better liar. Bring back Barack. Happens again. And guess what? Crime went up significantly three times. I mean, so there is a direct. See, so he said three times. I mean, was he like, was he going to correct himself or was he, does he just want to move on from that topic really quick because he kind of just made it up or I don't know what that was, but he does that a lot where he just kind of like fades out of what, like the point he's making. And it went up three times. I mean, it's not a joke. It's not a joke. I'm not being facetious. Correlation between the kinds of weapons that can be had. Look, I, 
I met with every single family member. Wait a minute, we got to do that again. We got to do that again. Came along, they didn't realize we didn't have the votes. And so what happened was, all of a sudden, it came back. You could own assault weapons again. And guess what? Crime went up significantly, three times. I mean, so there is a direct correlation between the kinds of weapons that can be had. Look, I... It's, like, exasperating. He just, he just did it twice in the same sentence, I think, if those were sentenced. He did it two sentence fragments in a row where he just says something and just, but he doesn't even, what is that? The correlation between the guns that you can have and look, we're only, I got to be honest with you. We're 36 minutes into this episode. We're only five minutes into the 23 minute interview. So it's possible that this will need to be like a two part episode. I might make it a two part episode. We'll see how far we are into the interview when we hit an hour on the podcast. And maybe I'll, I'll do a two-part episode on this. Because it's definitely, as you can see, it's fun. And worth listening to, I would say. So let's see what else our president has to say. I met with every single family member of all those kids who were killed and the teachers killed out in, in, in down in Uvalde, Texas. And... Um, they stayed with me for almost four hours, over 200 of them, meaning family and extended family. And the stories they told and the pain you could see on their faces, it just made you, uh, I mean, it, it, it just, it leaves such a... Shouldn't we demand that... Oh, bailed out, bailed out. Jimmy knows his role. Jimmy knows his role, and he was briefed on this before the episode started. And they said, look, if he starts drifting... And if he loses, especially this is a really bad place to start drifting off because he's making a powerful point. He's invoking the parents of dead children, the families of dead children. This is very powerful. And this is a really good opportunity for him to make a great point and for him to really like resonate with the audience. And here, in such a pivotal moment, he's drifting. He's doing the Joe drift. And Jimmy is there to right the ship and to make sure that none of the pauses are too long or that he, when he loses it, when he loses where he is or what he's thinking about or what he's talking about, Jimmy needs to hop in and say, well, well let, let, let me help you out here. I mean, he doesn't literally say that, but that's what his role is. Jimmy was briefed on this before, before their interview. It's very clear. Look, man, it's, this is going to happen. They're like, you want to do a 20 minute interview with the guy? He's going to drift. You need to bring him back. That's your job. You need to bring him back. It's just, it leaves such a... Shouldn't we demand that every senator in the United States sit with those families? Well, the answer is... Yes, Jimmy. Yes, Queen. I think we, we, we should make the demand. Here's what has to happen. All of you folks, and I hope, for, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, hope the Republicans here as well. Wait, this will be fun. I'll be honest, I didn't listen to this whole thing before I did the episode because it was too hard. And I said, you know what? I just want to one and done this. I was fast forwarding through and listening to little parts. And I said to myself, this is worth doing the whole interview. It's not even worth just clipping out little parts. It's worth going through the whole thing because it's not that long. It's 20 minutes. Obviously, it's taking us a long time to get through it because every five seconds, there's something to talk about. So I don't know what he's about to say. 
after he says, I'm not being facetious. But I guarantee you, there's nothing funny or that could be interpreted as funny or facetious about what he's about to say after that. He seems to use these phrases, not a joke, not being facetious, when you're like, was that, was anyone going to interpret that as a joke? He'll be like, I'm not being facetious. Kids need to stop dying in school. And you're like, what? You're not being, did you feel the need to clarify that you were not being facetious when you said that kids should not die in school? It's amazing. So I don't know what he's about to say after this, but I know that whatever it is, I'm, I'm willing to bet that it won't even be anything remotely facetious. Let's find out. All of you folks, and I hope, for, and I'm not being facetious when I say this, hope the Republicans here as well. You got to make sure that this becomes a voting issue. It's got to be one of those issues where you decide your position on the issue, senator or candidate for House or Senate, on what we're going to do on us with assault weapons and how have to have, maybe they'll have 300 rounds in a magazine and mag 300 rounds in a magazine. First of all, I was right. Was there anything facetious about I'm not being facetious? We need you need to make this a voting issue. Why would would someone be like, would you go, hey guys, if he if Joe didn't say that he wasn't being facetious, would anyone go and then Joe says, you need, this this whole gun reform issue. We need to make this a serious voting issue. And someone would be like, "Ha, ah, <laughs> nice one, Joe. Good. This guy is so facetious." I say, <laughs> like, would anyone hear that and be like, "Oh, Joe's just being facetious again. Joe is such a jokester. He's just being facetious again. He's telling us that gun reform should be a serious voting issue. He's being facetious all the time." This is a problem. The president's being too facetious too much of the time. This is a problem. I don't, I don't even, let's continue because, uh, let's see if he, I'm, I'm going to turn back like 10 seconds. Let's continue. For House or Senate on what we're going to do on us with assault weapons and how, have to have, maybe they'll have 300 rounds in a magazine and mag I mean That's the other thing. Does anyone... That, are, is he going to get fact-checked on that? 300 rounds in a magazine? Do you realize what an AR-15 would look like if it was carrying a magazine that had 300 rounds in it? It would look like an AR-15 with, like, elephantitis. It would have a gigantic... The, the magazine... Like if it was just a straight mag, like an extended mag with 300 rounds in it, you wouldn't be able to hold up the gun because the mag would be too long. It would be standing on the mag. Like you wouldn't be able to hold it. The gun would be 15 feet tall because the magazine would be that long. Or they'd have to make some weird square magazine and it would be, it would be 100 pounds to carry. Like does anyone, can anyone visualize this right now? What? A, an AR-15 would look like with 300 rounds. He's talking about a light machine gun. He's talking about an, a, an LMG. Everyone, like, you, you remember playing COD and you'd have the M60 or one of those big, like the RPD, one of those big, fat LMGs. Those have, like, 100-round magazines, and that's where... The, it's like a sleeve of bullets and it's like kind of wraps around the gun and goes into a little like magazine box. That's what 300, those don't even have 300 rounds. 
And I don't know much about guns, but I know that's an insane thing to say. Like an extended clip for the types of guns that these people are talking about regulating, an extended clip would have like 30 to 45 rounds. It wouldn't have 300 rounds. People who are listening to this and, you know, the type of people who go to Jimmy Kimmel Live, they know nothing about this and they just go, yes, yes, 300 rounds, it's a big problem. There's all these guns and they have 300 round magazines. You're like, dude, you, if you wanted to have 300 rounds on you with an AR-15, you would be wearing, you know, like military gear with all of these pockets for other magazines, but it's not, there's no, that doesn't exist. A 300 round magazine only would conceivably exist for like a, for like a 50 cal rifle on top of a Humvee. That's not a thing. And I don't know anything about guns and I know this from video games. Even in video games, there aren't 300 round mags. It's just not a thing. <laughs> fact check false. Is anyone going to do that fact check? Huh? PolitiFact? What you say on those things is going to determine how I'm going to vote for you. It should be one of those issues. You're right. It is our fault that people in the House and Congress can take responsibility for it, but it is our fault because we need to stop this. We need to do it. Well, we did last time, as I said. And it... I, I thought when Jimmy first said that, I thought he was being sarcastic. But I think he was being serious. Let's listen to that one more time. Because it sounds like at first he's saying like, oh, we shouldn't hold our political representatives accountable, the people that we elect. We need to take accountability for this. It's our fault. I thought he was being sarcastic. But then at the end, it, I thought he was about to just flip it on Joe and, and make Joe uncomfortable. But it, it, then it seemed like he was actually being sincere. I want to hear that again. For you. It should be one of those issues. You're right. It is our fault that people in the House and Congress can take responsibility for it, but it is our fault because we need to stop this. We need to do it. Well, we did last... No, he was being serious. He was being serious. So weird. This is so weird. Let's continue. And it, and it expired in 2004... Can't you issue an executive order? Trump passed those out like Halloween candy. Yeah, sure. Let's see. This is a great point by Jimmy. I have to give Jimmy credit here. He's not crying, first of all. So this is a big step forward for Jim. And second of all, this is a really good point. This is a very good point. If you're a Democrat and you're pissed off about this, and also I don't even want to like, I don't want to, I don't like liberals and I'm anti-liberal, like I'm illiberal, let's say. I still understand where they're coming from and why. Now, I also come from the conspiracy end of things when we talk about stuff like gun violence. And then I kind of view it through the lens of like, well, how, what's the most effective way? If I'm an operative, what's the most effective way to try to disarm the population? It would be to create generate whether real or not but to generate traumatic events and then use those as issues to make people vote the way that i want them to and to try to disarm the nation with that being said if i was unaware of the behavior the past behavior of the fbi or the cia for that matter 
and I didn't know what like a color revolution was or things like that. And I'd be mad about all of these shootings going on. I totally understand where they're coming from. So I don't want to make it seem like I, I get both sides, similarly to when I was talking about the abortion debate. Now, there's a side that I lean toward, but I, I do understand what the liberals are saying. And so what Jimmy is doing here, the point that he's making, which is like, why don't you just do executive orders? That is like a frustrated Democrat um, desire. And it's a very valid question. And it's honestly, that's really... Um, Kudos to Jimmy for actually putting this in front of Joe Biden and forcing him to come up with an answer. Now, I don't know how Joe Biden answers this. I assume it's bad. Let's find out. Can't you and, and, issue an executive order? Trump passed those out like Halloween candy. Yes, sir. It, well, it, I isn't that something that could happen? Well, I, I, I have issued executive orders within the power of the presidency to be able to deal with these, everything having to do with guns, gun ownership, whether or not you have to have a waiting, but all, all the things that were then. He did it again. I, I would love to know. See, I'm going to look at this right now in his answer to this. I'm going to look at it through the lens of like a Democrat who's being sincere, like a sincere Democrat. I'm going to look at it through their lens. And I would say, if Joe's answering this question like this, I would, my, I would say, what did you do? What executive orders are you talking about? And then he does this thing again where he just fades out. He's answering the question that's a waiting period. We've done things with the guns and waiting period. You know, like he just moves right through it. You're like, no, 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 wait, 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 Joe, 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 Joe. What about the waiting periods? Did you pass an executive order that increased waiting periods? What are you referring to, sir? He's the least clear speaker that I've encountered. Because even like Jen Psaki as annoying as she was as press secretary, you couldn't say she was unclear. Now, was she a liar and did she often obfuscate things? Yes. But was she clear with her answers? Yes. She was a clear speaker. That There was competence there. I will admit that, that Jen Psaki is a competent um, actor in the political sphere. Joe is so unclear. Let's hear this. Uh, let's hear this full answer now. Everything having to do with guns, gun ownership, whether or not you have to have a waiting, all, all the things that were within my power. But what I don't want to do, and I'm not being facetious, I don't want to emulate. Wait, 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 wait. He's not being facetious. Let's see if this could be interpreted as facetious. What I don't want to do, and I'm not being facetious, I don't want to emulate Trump's abuse of the Constitution and the constitutional authority. And, and so. This is the, I am most disappointed in the audience's reaction to this because on the one hand, Jimmy goes, why don't you just pass executive orders and the audience claps and then Joe Biden says, well, I don't want to just do what Trump did and the audience claps at that. So which is it? Do you want him to do nothing? Do you want him to do nothing? So he has integrity with the constitution, what you're talking about. So honestly, Joe is actually making a good point here. Only it's a Republican point or a constitutionalist point. He's saying, I don't want to um, overreach because of my power under the Constitution or the limits of my power under the Constitution. 
And meanwhile, what a gun person or activist would say is you don't have the power to do any gun reform because the Second Amendment. So Joe's actually making that point for the Republicans by accident and the liberal audience claps for it. I mean, the only people more brain dead than Joe Biden in this country are liberals, are Democrat voters. And so Joe is actually a very good representation of the party because they will do this. They will clap for something and then 20 seconds later, they will clap for something that directly contradicts what they just clapped for. It's amazing. It is amazing. I love it. The Constitution and the constitutional authority. And, and so, and I mean that sincerely because I often get asked. So he means that sincerely, guys, just to be clear. He means that sincerely because most people probably thought he was joking. So I'm glad. You know what? I take back what he said. His clarity is remarkable. He's very clear. He, no one make any mistake. This is not a joke. Joe is not joking here. Look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. If we do the same thing they do, then the democracy will literally be in jeopardy. If we do the same thing that they do, then the democracy will literally be in jeopardy. It's not, look, it's not a stutter, okay? There's a really good article, and I forget the title of it, but I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes, about someone listened to basically 43 hours of Joe Biden giving speeches between 1980 and like 2010 to try to see if there is a stutter there. What they discover is, first of all, no, there's no stutter, and it's no more than a regular person stutters. I stutter sometimes. People stutter. What's amazing that this author of this article found is that Barack Obama stuttered way more than Joe Biden. And what we see here, I'm not saying that that wasn't a stutter or whatever. He can't speak. He's not good at speaking. It's not, it's not a childhood stutter. It is a stutter brought on by dementia. And it's sad. And I'm not happy about that. I'm not glad that our president has dementia. And we've dealt with this before with Ronald Reagan. He is demented. He has dementia or Alzheimer's or something. But this is not a childhood stutter. This is a problem, basically. And now I, I actually kind of forgot. What did he say? It's not a joke. And, and so, and I mean that sincerely because I often get asked, Look, the Republicans don't play it square. Why do you play it square? Yeah. Does Joe Biden play it square? Does his administration play it square? Now, if I'm a Democrat or brain dead, either one, then I would say, hey, yeah, you guys do play it square. Not like those Republicans. They don't play it square. They don't play it square. Then I would agree with that. So it's not, it's like, it's an easy lie to make and it won't be interpreted as a lie by a redacted. Yeah. Well, well, guess what? If we do the same thing they do, our democracy will literally be in jeopardy. Well, I mean, yeah. Not a joke. Not a joke. I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules, and how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, I mean, got a joke. Watch this. 
So I did actually watch this clip when I was skipping through. I actually did see this clip. This one is crazy. And again, this is a 10 second turnaround. So watch what he's about to say. So he just said, our democracy is in trouble. Our democracy is we be trouble. It's literally trouble in trouble. He says that and people clap. Hey, yeah, our democracy would be in trouble if we were like the Republican. He says that and they clap and they say, okay, yeah, we, we, we care really about democracy. That's what we care about democracy, the rule of law, the constitution, blah, blah, blah. Look at what he's about to say and the implications of what he's about to say. Now, he's making a monopoly joke, okay, or monopoly reference. But just listen to what he says and listen to how they clap. This is <laughs> from all the parts that I listened to. This one blew my mind the most. So listen to what happens here. It's amazing. Listen to what happens here. And I, I understand that argument, but also it's like you're playing Monopoly with somebody who, you know, won't pass go and won't follow any of the rules. And how do you ever make any progress if they're not following the rules? Well, you got to send even... them to jail, uh, you know. <laughs> There's that little box in there. Directly to jail? <laughs> Go directly to jail. They laugh about it. It's funny. Do, like, do you, is that not... So you go, I care about the Constitution. And people say to me, Joe, the Republicans don't play it straight, man. So why do you? Why do you play it so straight? Why do you play it so down the middle, Joe? Why do you play it so constitutional, Joe? And Joe says, because I don't want to be like them. We don't want to be like Donald Trump. We don't want to be like the MAGA... We don't want to be like the maggotards. We don't want to be like them. Clap, clap, clap. Amazing. Standing O. Okay. And then Jimmy makes this Monopoly comparison. And Joe basically directly says, now it's a Monopoly reference. So I'm not saying he's literally saying it. And he probably wouldn't have said it if Jimmy didn't bring up the Monopoly analogy. But then Joe proceeds to say, well, what do we do about it? We throw our political enemies in jail. That's what Joe said. First of all, that's what's happening with the January 6th stuff. They are throwing political enemies in jail. But that's what Joe's saying. And then they laugh and clap for it. And then Jimmy and him are both laughing about it. So they say, we're constitutional and we play it straight. Also, we want to throw our political enemies in jail. That's the craziest thing. That's wild, dude. I also want to point out that we're about at an hour and I'm, I'm, and we're at seven and a half minutes through this, um, interview. This will be a two-parter, but let's do some more of it. And maybe I'll bring this to like an hour, 20 hour and a half. I hope you're having fun. I certainly find this fun. Is with us, Joseph Biden. We'll be right back to talk more. We're back with President Biden. Um... And the First Lady is with us, too, here in Hollywood. Will you be And my going? granddaughter. And your granddaughter is here. The family is here. Clap, 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 clap. Fiance. And fiance. Yes, yeah, my can... daughter's birthday. Oh, how about that? Oh, clap, clap, clap. Clap, 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 clap. Clap, clap, clap. Does somebody have to, like, remind you of all that stuff no, with all this no, craziness no, no. going on? No, no, no. My dad used to have an expression. Family is the beginning, the middle, and the end. 
Wow, that's fucking deep, dude. Did you notice that I didn't know he was going to go there? So when he said, my dad used to have this phrase where he said, family's the beginning. I said, okay. Family's the middle. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, okay. He's not going to say family's the end, though. And then he did. He drops it on us, guys. He drops it on us. Family's the end, too. The beginning, middle, and end. I think that's so deep, man. Not a joke. And I mean this sincerely. It's not a joke. Dad used to have an expression. Family's the beginning, the middle, and the end. You know what's funny about that? (laughs) Even the audience is like, is that it? Like, one more time. I'm sorry. I'm going to play it one more time. Listen to when he finishes the phrase and he pauses for that second where the audience is like, is that it? Like, even the... Even the, the, the Democrat mongoloids in that audience are like, do we clap now? Okay, yeah, yeah, guys, 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 you stop talking. Clap, clap, hurry, hurry, before it's awkward. Dad used to have an expression, family's the beginning, the middle, and the end. We, um, I think a lot of Democrats are frustrated because, you know, we got out and voted. Um, We won the House, the Senate, um, the White House, obviously. And still, we have had made very little progress as far as I'm concerned when it comes to guns, obviously, uh, reproductive rights, voting rights, climate change, all these things. And in some ways, we've, we've moved backwards. Well, on climate change, we've actually made some real moves. Okay, okay. That... Again, Jimmy is did well there. I got I, I was not expecting this. I was expecting to make I think I said at the beginning that they put him across from Jimmy because Jimmy's the only guy who's more unlikable than Joe. Completely wrong. Egg on my face, I was completely wrong about that. Jimmy is actually conducting himself quite well during this interview so far. So I have to give credit to him. I still don't like him. I don't agree with anything he's saying, but he is conducting himself very well. He's doing a good job. He can't even front. I know we're all like kind of, I know you're listening and you're kind of on the same page as me for the most part. That's why you listen and we don't have to like it, but we can acknowledge that Jimmy is doing a good job here and he's right. You couldn't even make the argument that things are as good as before because so many, and then the, the pivotal thing that he is mentioning is reproductive rights. That's gotten significantly worse ever since they got these Democratic majorities and the White House. That's become significantly worse from a Democrat's perspective. And what Joe's going to do is go for the easy one. He's going to go for climate change. I didn't listen to this part, so let's see what he has to say about climate change. We've moved backwards. Well, on climate change, we've actually made some real moves. I mean, we have... We have, you know, one in seven of the, all the changes that have taken place in terms of solar, wind, and, 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 and wind pumps, and I mean, uh, pumps and like. Uh, what does that mean? He says one in seven? Like, I don't even know if he's going to, I'm going to let him finish this answer. Let's see if he even returns to that one in seven. Like, what is he talking about? Wind pumps? And then he says pumps and the like, I think. What does that mean? What are, the, what are these pumps he's speaking of? Perhaps I'm not as educated as I need to be on renewable energy sources, but what pumps? Doesn't oil get pumped? Aren't oil pump pipelines about pumping oil? 
So what's he talking about? I don't think he knows. I think we can all be pretty sure that he doesn't know what he's talking about, but especially on this one, one in seven, what, what are you talking about? Let's see. Yeah, you know, one in seven of the, all the changes that have taken place in terms of solar, wind, and, 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 and wind pumps, and I mean, uh, pumps and like, uh, have occurred in the last 18 months. We've moved, and there's an opportunity. So what does he mean, one in seven? Like, does he mean one in every seven wind windmills, you know, wind turbines, whatever you call it, have been built in the last 18 months? Is that what he mean? Does he mean that? Does he mean one in every seven solar panels have been built in the last seven months? Does he mean one in every pumps and the like have been made in the last 18 months? What is pumps and the like? This is an important question, I feel. If I was Jimmy, I would say, can you clarify that? What do you mean by pumps? Pumping what? Are you pumping? What? Are you? Do you mean oil? What What else could you? Do you mean natural gas? Like that's that's fine. But what are you talking about? Pumps and the like. One in seven pumps and the like in the last eighteen months, under my presidency. With the process we have dealing with energy, to be able to gradually move more rapidly than we have been to alternative. To be able to gradually move more rapidly, to be able to gradually move more rapidly, to be able to gradually move more rapidly, more rapidly than we have been to alternatives. For example, electric vehicles. Jimmy, when I got elected, I, you know, I've pushed electric vehicles for the last, I don't know, God knows how long. Well, I had for the last, I don't know, God knows how long, you know, I've pushed electric vehicles for the last, I don't know, God knows how long. Well, I had, I had a, a, a conversation with the chairman of the board of General Motors, Mary Berry, and uh, Berry. She, she was suing California, remember, and for be because your standard was too high. She right. Said, well, guess what? We had a conversation. Guess what? About three days, four days later, she dropped the suit and committed she's going to go all electric in the entire General Motors. Clap. By 2035. Clap. 2030, going 50% electric. Okay, what was said? I, I bet you Jimmy won't ask that question because that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Okay, so this lady files a lawsuit with California saying your standards are too high and we're suing you over it. And then Joe Biden, apparently, I don't think he was supposed to say this. <laughs> Joe Biden gets on the phone with her and all of a sudden she drops the lawsuit. What was said? This is not... Is that not like the most, is that not the first thought that anyone would have? What did you say to her? I don't know if Jimmy's going to ask that. I hope he does. I kind of doubt it. I think you're not supposed to go there. Because I wonder if maybe there were political favors exchanged. I wonder if something like that happened. He just got on the phone and said, listen here, it's not a joke. These are real, not being facetious. It's a climate crisis, I'm not being facetious. And she was like, okay, okay, Joe, I'll drop the lawsuit. Okay, I'm sorry. What was said? What was promised? Very legitimate question. I wonder if Jimmy will ask. Later, she dropped the suit and committed she's going to go 
all electric and the entire general motors clap 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 clap, clap. by 2030 that's jimmy's response is that's amazing i i think jimmy conducted himself very well for about nine and a half minutes and that is where that that was the worst one I picked up the phone and I called her, and the next day she dropped the lawsuit. That's amazing. Ford came along and did the same thing. So we're on a path, and and what is the successor to Chrysler is doing the same thing. We're moving in directions. That Wait, what is he saying? The successor to Chrysler? Is Chrysler not a company anymore? I thought Chrysler is still a company. This is. This is a great episode, dude. This is amazing. I, really, you could just listen to this and have your own fun with it, but I love, I love this. This is like, this is fantastic. Who's the successor to Chrysler? I don't even know what the guy's talking about. What is he talking about? Is Chrysler not a company anymore? I want to look it up now. I'm literally going to look up. I don't know why I said literally. I didn't need to say that. Successor to Chrysler. What's that? See, Chrysler CEO says lineups will expand. Hints at an electric 300 successor. Well, that's the car. They have a model called the Chrysler 300, and he's talking about an electric successor to that model, meaning a new model. Yeah, there's no... Chrysler is still a company, and uh, maybe Joe... Maybe Joe just read the word Chrysler and successor, not realizing that they're talking about a model, one of their car models. Maybe he thought they were talking about the company. I'm not sure. Let's hear that again. And, and what is the successor to Chrysler is doing the same thing. We're moving in directions that are... No, I, I just... The successor to Chrysler is doing the same thing. Being slow. Look, we won. I won. Wait, one sec, one sec. Successor to Chrysler is doing the same thing. We're moving in directions that are being slow. Look. We're moving in directions that are being slow. Look. We're moving in directions that are being slow. Look. That, this is our president. And it's, it's really funny. We're moving in directions that are being slow. Look. You could take so many sentences out of this and put them in the presidential library and people would say, what happened during those years? That seems weird. Was everything okay? <laughs> we're moving in directions this we're moving in directions that are slow. Look, Joe Biden, president, 46th president of these United States. I don't know what he's about to say because it looks like he's going to pivot into talking about how he won the election. Let's see. The Chrysler's doing the same thing. We're moving in directions that are being slow. Look, we won. I won by, I got 81 million votes. Let's see if they clap after he finishes this. What a weird pivot. We're talking about climate change. No, we actually did a really good job on climate change. I made a phone call and uh, this company crawled. You've stopped their lawsuit that they had filed. Amazing. Jimmy Kimmel, 2022. And, you know, we're doing a lot of things that are slow. Look, I won the election. What a strange, 
I, I'm, I'm now I want to see where he's going to go with this. What is he talking about, man? Got 81 million votes, um, more than anybody's ever gotten. Clap. Thank you for those who helped. Oh, there you go. He had to, he had to prompt them to clap. He had to say, and thank you to everyone, because they're like, oh, we're here now. I'm one of the 81 million. We're here. He's talking about us. He's talking about me. To me is, you know, we still only ended up with 50 senators, which means that we have 50 presidents. And two of them are kind of... Wait. What did he just say? This is getting better. And we're hitting the 10-minute mark of the interview, which is usually where Joe really starts to lose his grasp on English, on his line of thought. He really starts to lose it usually around 10, 15 minutes. Did he just say we have 50 presidents? Did I hear that right? I'd like to hear that again. Did he say we have 50 presidents? And then Jimmy does not even acknowledge it. He'll just move on. Let's see. Jimmy is, you know, we still only ended up with 50 senators, which means that we have 50 presidents. And two of them are kind of... Dude. I mean, what, what are we doing? Bring Barack back. I want Barack. I want Barack Obama. Where's Barack? Why are you letting this happen? Barack, please listen. Please listen to this episode. This is the most important thing that you need to hear right now. Why are you doing this to us? Why are you doing this to yourself? Because you're watching this too, and you're seeing what a train wreck it is. Please come back, Barack, for the love of God. Put an end to this, but at the same time, don't, because it is funny. I'm conflicted. There's 50 presidents. You know what's interesting, too? He doesn't even count himself because he's saying, well, well, we got 50 Democratic senators, so there's 50 presidents. He's not even counting himself. Isn't that weird? He's not even counting himself as one of the... He doesn't even say, we, so we have 51 presidents, like me and the other 50 senators. He doesn't even include himself as a president. I think he still doesn't realize he's the president. He's Jill Biden's wife. I mean, husband, whatever. You know, we still only ended up with 50 senators, which means that we have 50 presidents. And two of them are kind of um, on uh, iffy, I think, uh, well, at best. <laughs> I can't believe Jimmy just moves past that like he didn't say something that's so dumb or weird or made no sense. What do you mean we have, we have 50 presidents? What do you mean? Oh, well, no, what I'm trying to say is that the, the, the Senate has a lot of power and you have to deal with 50 other people and you have to get them all on the same page. So it's like dealing with 50. Pre oh, OK, I see what you mean. He doesn't even do that. He just goes, oh, yeah, there's 50 presidents. Everyone knows that. Anyway, two of them are being annoying. I think it's interesting. You know, one, one of the things that's causing problems is that cause a bottle. I think it's the Democratic Party that's so divided. And the problem, the problem is we have 48 out of 50 senators vote with me 95% of the time, more than any president has gotten that kind of support from their, from their constituency. But is that true? Like, is that, when does the, when does the Senate not vote with the president? That's rare that that happens. 
95%, yes, that's usually how it happens. That's how it happened with, like, didn't Barack have the same, basically the same thing? He had, like, two pro Wasn't it still Joe Manchin being a problem when Barack was the president? I mean, I'm not even sure if that's true, but I'm guessing that what Joe just said is not true. The most in history. He just says this. Which we're having the best... We're doing the most best... We're doing the most best of any president in the, the administration history of America's history of the president, 50 presidents. We're doing the most in the history of the 50 presidents. So when I say that, when I say that, what, 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 when I, when, when Trump would took, so when you, and what, but just what we're doing with the climate. So when I say that, it's not a joke, and you know, I mean this sincerely, that when I say that we're the most of the 50 presidents in the 50 history of the presidents in the United, that, and, and that's saying something. <laughs> Wait, I had something else to say. I want to hear it because something popped into my head. Let's see. 85% of the time, more than any president has gotten that kind of support from their, from their constituency. That's not your constituency. He doesn't even know what the word constituency means. The senators aren't your constituency. They all have their own constituencies. Your constituency technically is the people of the United States, or you can make the argument that the president doesn't have a constituency and that only the legislative branch has constituencies. But it's not that the legislative branch is the president's constituency. That's not, that's not how it is. You could say that the president's constituency is the people of the United States, or you could say that like by virtue of what the executive branch is, the president does not have a constituency. They just preside over the executive branch of the government and the legislative branch, which is supposed to be consisting of direct representatives of the people who elect them. They have constituencies. So again, the guy just says stuff. He just says stuff. Jimmy doesn't care. Jimmy don't care. The president has gotten that kind of support from their, from their constituency, but we only have 50, and you can't get even two, three, four Republicans to vote. Look what's happening now with regard to everything from the way they talk about this potential decision from the Supreme Court. I remember, I remember fondly those days in the Trump administration when there was some bipartisan partisanship, and you did have four, five, six Democratic senators voting with Trump, transcending partisanship, transcending ideology, and voting for what was right. No, wait, Trump never was doing anything that he said was right. Nothing that he said was right that he was doing was the, of the 50 presidents was right. This is making me dumber listening to this. And a lot of you are like, how could that be possible? Hey, yo, nice burn, bros. Respect that about you. It, it makes you dumber. Listening to this guy makes you dumber. It's, it's remarkable. It's like that scene from Billy Madison. So what is he? It's like, he's like, well, remember the good old days before my administration when there was less partisanship? And you remember the four, five, six Democrat senators who would vote with Donald Trump even though he was of the different, he was from the other party. He's making it seem like it's a new thing that the opposition party doesn't vote with their opposition. The only time they vote together is for war, as we've covered before. But other than that, they never vote together. 
these are oppositional factions. Now they have a lot of the same goals personally, but of, of course they're going to not vote together. They don't vote together. That's not new. That's always been the case. Think from the way they talk about this potential decision from the Supreme Court. I mean, it's going to be, it's awful. What do we do about well, that? I well, mean, what do we do? And what well, do you say to Joe Manchin, Kristen Sinema? What do you say to them when well, you get them on the telephone? Well, what I Okay, Jim's back to being somewhat tolerable and doing a pretty decent job. That's a very legitimate question. You can't just let the president go, it's really sad and I don't like it. What are you going to do about it? This is good. Thank you, Jimmy. This is good. I mean, he's being very careful and he's being very selective about where he's giving pushback, but at least he's giving a little bit. And Joe's not used to getting that. So at least he's giving a little bit. So let's see what Joe says about that. Because this, for Democrats, is the biggest issue. There's no bigger issue than this for a lot of Democrats. I mean, a lot of other Democrats are more worried about inflation and gas prices because that affects them very very directly and immediately but for i would say for a sizable chunk if not majority of democrat voters this is the big one this is the biggest one so let's see what joe has to say about perhaps the biggest issue with regards to the upcoming midterm elections Kristen Sinema, what do you say to them when well, you get them on the telephone? Well, what I say to them is, and by the way, they agree on a lot of these proposals relating to everything from from choice all the way to... I would hope so. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I know, but it's not like they are there 80% of the time. The pace that they're not there is Joe's not there on a lot of the things having to do with the climate and the environment because he comes from cold country and... What are you talking about? What, what a weird answer. You were asked about, you were asked about abortion and he goes, well, look, Joe's with us on abortion. Where he's not really with us is when it comes to climate because he's from coal country. You're like, okay, well, why didn't you, why don't you just not do an omnibus bill? Cause that's what they would do. They would pass a bill that's like, you can get an abortion and it's federally legal to get abortion. Also, every single manufacturing industry needs to run on wind power now. Also, anyone who was at the Capitol building on January 6th needs to be thrown in jail. It's like, just don't do an omnibus bill and make it specifically about abortion and make it one page. Why can't you do that? So he's gonna go, oh, well, no, 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 no. I mean, Joe, look, Joe Manchin, he's with us on abortion. Okay, great. No, but he's not with us on coal. Okay, are these, does, does, do you have to have coal? Does that, does coal have to be a part of the abortion bill? Does that have to be a thing? What a weird way. This isn't even, again, it, it's politically savvy to dodge questions and be slimy. That is good politics. But He's not even doing a good job of that. He's not even good slimy right now. He's doing a bad job of being slimy. Let's, this will be the last question because we're almost at an hour and a half. This will be the last question because we're, we're almost exactly halfway through the interview. So yes, this is going to be a two-parter. 
So I don't know. Let's finish this one and then and then I'll I'll probably record the second half now, but I'll release them separately a few days apart. Okay. There on a lot of them things having to do with the climate and the environment, because he comes from cold country and, and he has a different view. Um, and Christian uh, is not always there in terms of the tax policies. Look, here's where we are. Okay, so he just completely evaded the question and went to look. Here's where we are. Hey, what do we do about abortion? Why can't you talk to Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema about abortion and get them on the same page? And then maybe you guys can pass some other. Well, Joe likes coal and Kristen doesn't like taxes. Look, here's where we are. That's the, that's. This comes down to the incompetence of the administration. If you're in that administration and you're going into this Jimmy Kimmel interview, which is kind of important. It's not that important, but it's kind of important, especially given how little Joe gives interviews like this. And you're in the wake of this Supreme Court leak with regards to a potential overturning of Roe v. Wade. Do you not think they're going to ask you about that? And do you not think that the stances of Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema are going to be brought up? How do you not see this coming? That should have been, they should have briefed Joe on that. They should have given Joe a good answer for that question. And they either did and Joe forgot or they didn't. But either way, things are bad. Things are bad with this administration. Anyway, that's it for part one. We'll come back to part two. Um, I guess you'll have to wait a couple days for it. I want to keep things on schedule, somewhat on schedule. All right, so be back soon with the second part. I love you. Bye.